Hi, I'm Victoria. And I'm Lexi. And welcome to Entry Level, the podcast for people figuring it out. If this is your first episode with us, welcome. Make sure to check out our trailer to get a better idea of who we are and why we started this all. Our last episode was a little bit more lighthearted as we talked through all things weird. Um, We talked through some things we're wearing recently, what we're obsessed with. So if you're interested, make sure you go and take a listen. And then also while we're here, um, just some housekeeping. Just make sure you go (laughs) ahead and rate our podcast five stars wherever you're listening. We would really appreciate it. We do currently have a five-star rating, not to toot our own horns, but we'd like to keep that consistent and would like to up the ante a little bit, um, get some more five-star ratings, just to make it a little Mm -hmm. bit more official. So Mm -hmm. make sure you go pause right now and go rate. Anyways, that's all from me. And I guess from there, we'll go ahead and get it to it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Also, I can hear you about to say something. No, I was just gonna like go ahead and tell the audience like what yeah. we're doing. What are we doing? Yeah, because yeah. we never. And we need some explanation. Yeah, we never officially gave it a segment or an official name, mm-hmm. but we these little intros we didn't know what to call it, and Lexi's idea was to call it <laughs> "Get Into It," like the Doja Doja Cat. Yeah, song. shout out Doja. And in parentheses, she says "Yeah." So that's why we've been saying get into it, yeah, but we never made an official statement. So I just thought that is why I'm always laughing when she says that. I think, no, I, I don't care. I think it's fun. It is. I just also realized that we never said anything like <laughs> about it. Yeah. And I think it probably doesn't hit as well with the non-Doja Cat listeners. Um, yeah. So there's, yeah, I think the explanation was necessary and probably needed at this point since I guess now that we're saying it or now that we're saying it on mic, we're sticking to it. Yeah. Yeah. I um I'm not gonna lie, I also couldn't come up with an alternative name, so that's why I was like, <laughs> <"Keep me." laughs> I was like, I can't really contribute to the issue that I'm raising, so I guess we're keeping it. So now it's official. Unless unless some of our faithful listeners let us know that it's not hitting the way that we thought it was. Always open <laughs> for questions, <laughs> comments, concerns, and feedback. Yeah. But today we decided to go back to our tried and true controversial yet brave bop or flop Thanksgiving edition. I really do like this one. I think it is a testament of who we are and it gives us the opportunity to share and defend certain things about ourselves. Um, Not that everything needs defending, but, (laughs) you know, it's fun. This is not like a controversial podcast, you know what I mean, where we're like talking about controversial topics. So I think this is always fun. Um, But yeah, while we're still in the spirits of thanksgiving happy thanksgiving we're thankful for you all especially those of you belated who given us the rating um yeah. yeah especially belated since we're a little off schedule with this one but that's okay yeah because life happens and it's okay to take a break aka episode 13 <laughs> i think that sounds right check. actually all right it should be check. like the i think it was like Ugh, the july 12. 12 oh it was close it was close it was august 1st out of oh. August. Yeah, episode twelve out of office. We talk about it, but it was the it was a break. We we wanted to fully rest this Thanksgiving, but we're back. Um, with that being said, first topic, just Thanksgiving food in general. I think is what we were thinking when we wrote this down. Hmm. What's your answer? I think that I think Thanksgiving food is a bop. I'm glad that it's limited to one time a year. I think that makes me appreciate it more. But at the end of the day, I'm not going out of my way or super excited about Thanksgiving meals when it's not Thanksgiving. If you haven't listened to other podcasts or don't know what I look like, or if you do know what I look like and you can't figure it out, (laughs) I come from a traditional biracial family. Um, (laughs) One side of the family is white. One side of the family is black. Therefore, my Thanksgiving food, I have a white mother and a black father. Um, So... Said all that to say, my Thanksgiving meal varies year to year based on who I spend the holiday with, which sometimes affects my view on whether or not the food is a bop or flop. Um, but recent years, it's been bopping. I'm not going to post my plate, though. Yeah. I personally, I'm not one of those people who, like, is a super big Thanksgiving stan. I actually, like, don't necessarily feel any type of way about Thanksgiving, but the food's usually good. 
but I don't think I have super strong opinions on Thanksgiving food in general. Like, I think there was this post going around this Thanksgiving about, like, what you would get rid of, like, Mm -hmm. from a Mm -hmm. lineup. Mm -hmm. And I like everything on the Thanksgiving roundup of, like, what you typically eat. Although I know it changes. Like, it varies region by region. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a little off track, but um, I did see a couple of stories this year. Have deviled eggs always been on Thanksgiving menus? Not in my household, but this wasn't the first time that I've heard of it. Like, I saw multiple people. Like, I've never, we've never had that in my house for Thanksgiving. I'm not against it. You know I love a deviled egg, but. I I know you do, unfortunately. (laughs) But um, I saw that and I was really um, surprised. But, so I wouldn't give it a flop because, like, we have good food and I I like Mm -hmm. to try, I like to eat Thanksgiving food. But I wouldn't necessarily make it a bop, but I guess because it's not a flop, inevitably it's a bop for me. I follow I follow the logic there. <laughs> um, next category is Black Friday shopping. Um, I can go first on this one because I, okay. I think I'm pretty opinionated about it, which I think okay. I also talked about this maybe. Yeah. Personally, I think... If it was 2008 to, like, 2012, it was a bop. Like, that shit Mm -hmm. was hitting. Like, the way that it was always on the news about, like, the people camped up, like, after Mm -hmm. camping out, like, right after, like, they would eat their Thanksgiving meal. Like, the stuff that people would line up for, like, the fights over the flat screen TVs. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, like, trying to get the Wii, trying to get, like, the Xbox One whenever it came out. Like... Like, you had to be there. Like, it was truly, like, a cultural reset. And the way that it literally changed the dynamics of how we shop today, like, literally Black Friday shopping just kept getting earlier and earlier. And then we went to online shopping. So then that introduced Black Friday shopping early, but then also introduced Cyber Monday and, like, literally all of these other deals. So it's, like, Black Friday shopping got earlier and earlier because like stuff was online so then you could start shopping on friday but then that introduced cyber monday and then we start pulling in small business saturday it literally Mm -hmm. has turned into a whole cyber week i'm finding out this year about travel tuesday through tiktok Mm -hmm. like it's literally extending from thursday to tuesday so back in the day i'll say yes but now it's just become so much and it's gotten so early i think target started their black friday deals after halloween but all that to say i just don't think the magic is there with black friday shopping anymore like i don't think it's just such a let down let down like the youtubers aren't giving the hauls the way they used to like no one is stepping up to the plate to really give us what they gave us back in the day and i want it back so for me in 2022 it's a flop yeah i have to agree with that but also pretty much echo everything you said back in the olden days, aka 10 years ago, like people were going to war. You know what I mean? Like people were preparing for battle when it came to Black Friday. Literally. They had on safety gear. Like people were getting trampled in Walmart. Not that I wish that upon anybody ever again, but that was serious. Exactly. Like I oh, also think it was now, so now the, especially from retailers' perspective, and I think, you know, being 24, I'm not looking to buy, you know, a brand new TV for my household or anything like that. But the sales are so subpar. Right. I've seen I've seen thirty percent off everywhere, and that's great. But that is y'all not thirty percent off. Y'all had thirty percent off two months ago. Y'all thirty percent off Labor two Day. weeks ago. It's the same thing. They're recycling the same thing. No one's actually saving any money. And, I and while we're at been, it, sorry, ten percent is no, not a keep discount going. either. <laughs> and that's at some brands that I follow <laughs> and really like, but like. Don't even put it on there. Like, don't even have the sale. Like, it's nothing. It's literally not a sale. At that I'd point, rather have zero dollars at that point. No, because like, it's almost like it's almost like you're making fun of me. No, like, like it's almost like you're te- like you're bullying me. I feel like, like you're giving me ten percent off. Um. Yeah, I also didn't get any good Black Friday sales this year, and also I think these random thirty percent, twenty percent 
leads to a lot of just impulsive shopping because you're like, oh, this Mm -hmm. is cute, but it's kind of at a better price. Whereas I think, again, in the olden days, a decade ago, um, people were like saving up for Black Friday and they were on a mission. They're like, this is what I'm going to buy because I know it's going to be on deal versus like, oh, this sweater is cute. Sure. You know, I'll buy it at 20% off type of thing. Like people are so lackadaisical and there's no strategy (laughs) with Black Friday anymore. Yeah, Um, not fun. It's a flop from us both. Flop, flop. (laughs) Okay, next one. Um, Christmas music slash decorating before Thanksgiving. This is, I think I go back and forth on this every year because also Thanksgiving changes every year. Like it's not at the same, mm-hmm. it's not on the same date every year. Mm-hmm. Typically I'm a no, right? Like I'm like, let's just go in order. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just because spooky season or whatever <laughs> people want to say, I hate, I hate hate when people use the term spooky season like no hate to y'all if y'all do it but like i can't say when people say and they're like "Mm, spooky season's over time to put my christmas tree up it's like no like we have a whole month like let's let's chill but for some reason this year i think the spirit was really lacking for me and so then i was seeing everybody Mm -hmm. put their christmas tree like november 1st like literally Mm -hmm. up until thanksgiving and i was like i don't know like i i was tempted multiple times to put my christmas tree up and I was like, no, like it's it's way too early. And I think it's also because daylight savings happen, in my mm-hmm. opinion, a lot earlier this year. So I was like, whew, the seasonal depression is hitting. But something about those warm Christmas lights being turned on at night really um, mm-hmm. gets me like in the spirit, like the holiday season festivity. But um, this year, I would say it was a bop. Even though I didn't technically do it, like I did, I wasn't mad when I saw other people did it. But in the past, it's been a flop. I'm kind of. I feel like this is a partial flop, partial bop. Which I don't know if that's an answer I'm allowed to give on here. But hey, yeah, it's, it's my show slash our show, so I'm <laughs> do whatever I want. Um, but so the first half of that was Christmas music, and I am a bit of a Grinch. When it comes to Christmas music, I'm not a musical person in general at all. Don't Lexi give me. Lexi is so. Uh, oh my gosh! Like I'll watch. I, I'll watch a decom, but like I, I do not like watching so reality shows. I don't like watching singing reality shows. I don't like the idea of Glee. I don't like the concept of. Like I couldn't get through Mamma Mia because there was just too much singing. That um, is like and I so... hate that about you. <laughs> that was like my least favorite thing about you. Well, then I guess I'm doing pretty good. Um, but yeah, so Christmas music just doesn't really put me in a good mood unless maybe it's December 23rd. But other than that, I don't have a desire to hear all I want for Christmas or Jingle Bells or Feliz Navidad or any of the 100 of celebrities that sing the same song every winter. I'm just, I'm not really into Christmas music like that in general. Decorating doesn't bother me. I like Christmas decorations. I think they're pretty. I think they're cute. All of the trees and flowers and everything are dead anyway. So you might as well spruce it up with some lights and you know, inflatables <laughs> in your yard. Um, so yeah, I think decorating will always be a bot for me. Personally, I haven't been decorating just because I have no storage in my apartment and I'm not going to buy something to throw it away. Um, but I'm also not going to leave it out because it ruins the aesthetic of everything that I spent so much money on. Um, so decorations are a bop and Christmas music is a flop forever except for Um, christmas day (laughs) i guess that's fair do you remember in my very first apartment we kept our christmas tree up until like march we literally one year my dad was deployed and my mom did not want to take down the tree on her own she literally waited till my dad got back i said he was gone for six months and the first thing he does when he comes home in the middle of july is see the christmas tree (laughs) in the living room um so we just literally didn't feel like taking it down (laughs) And that was exactly my mother, too. I think I was probably in, like, fourth or fifth grade, so I wasn't really going to help do anything like that. But it was Christmas for a very long time that year. Yeah. Last category is Vlogmas. I think I think Vlogmas is a bop. I'm, I, don't, I don't think I have strong feelings about it, but there are periods where I'm really, really into YouTube. And I guess, oh, also for those of you who don't know what Vlogmas is, it's primarily a YouTube thing. Um... But every day leading up to Christmas, YouTubers will post vlogs. So pretty straightforward, but the context does help. Um, and so I go through phases where I'm really into YouTube and that's all I keep playing, you know, while I'm working throughout the day. And so when you have endless content to mindlessly take in, I think it's nice. 
Um, but I don't know. I feel like sometimes there's so much controversy around, oh my God, who's doing Vlogmas and who's not doing Vlogmas. Um, so yeah, a bot for you if you can do it or keep it up. But I don't know. Sometimes people get lazy and just post stuff, just post stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I think if you're going <laughs> to like actually put effort forth, I think in recent years, I'm going to say it, some YouTubers have gotten lazy when it comes to Vlogmas just because like mm-hmm. they already have audiences. And so like they'll put up like, and okay, like who am I to speak? Like I've never done it before. I'm sure it's really hard. <laughs> like, right. I'm sure it's hard to find content for 25 days, edit it every single day and post. But also like, go ahead and cut it right now. Right. I don't want us to get canceled before we even get anywhere, but I will quote Miss Kardashian and say, if you're going to say that you're going to do it, like, yeah, get your ass up and work, like put the effort forth. And I just think People are getting a little bit lazy with their content, especially on YouTube, like because Mm -hmm. YouTube isn't the like primary platform right now where content Mm -hmm. creators are getting success. So everyone's focusing their content on TikTok. But it's like if you started on YouTube and your audience is from YouTube, maybe you should like try to keep your audience on YouTube and like don't Mm half-ass YouTube. And that's me getting really off topic because it's like, that's not what we were talking about. We were talking about Vlogmas, but it's like content creators being like, yeah, sorry. Like, I'm not going to do Vlogmas this year. Like, it's just too much. And like, what are you doing? Like, what else are you doing? (laughs) Literally? Like (laughs) you posted a gift guide on your TikTok. Okay. Like that could be a video. Like (laughs) I personally, and half of y'all have editors. Half of y'all literally have video (laughs) editors. So it's like, really, what are you doing? Like, just sit down and record the video. I, ooh, like, I really am passionate about that. Like, you're getting paid th- $300,000 plus a year, and you can't make 25 videos. I am trying to think back to, like, an episode where I've heard you get this passionate about something that we've spoken on. And this one might take the cake. This one. It was also influencers. I'm noticing a theme. Uh, Anyways, um, all that to say, um, when people worked and, like, we're trying to pay their bills. Yeah, Vlogmas was a, a bop. Um, but in 2022, I'm going to assume it's going to be a flop. I don't have any Vlogmases that I'm looking forward to. I'm going to be really yeah, honest. I agree. I agree. But that was fun. Got a little loud <laughs> up there. <laughs> I should honestly, we should do like a rant episode. Yeah, a that'd be takes, therapeutic. But I we feel like, like rant. Yeah. Because I have some it's probably thoughts. needed on the creator economy but anyways um what are we chatting about today Lexi yeah so kind of so along the the thought process of the holiday spirit but maybe a different perspective on it um we know that for a lot of people holidays mean extended time or longer periods of time with family that you maybe haven't seen for a while friends that you maybe haven't seen for a while Um, And so it got us kind of thinking about just the topic of boundaries in general. Um, Not something that is specific to holidays, of course. It's something that you'll probably deal with your entire life as you enter new phases of life and meet new people and start new relationships and hobbies and commitments and everything else like that. Um, And because we kind of see it as an evergreen thing, I think we're going to try to categorize this under our how to be a bad bitch guide because bad bitches set boundaries. And they're able to try to uphold them because, you know, it makes us stronger. I think it makes us happier setting expectations for other people and keeping those relationships happy. Um, So we'll just talk through a couple areas and examples of times that we have set boundaries, maybe times that we wish we did, what we learned, yada, yada, yada. You know how the script goes. But anything you wanted to add? Yeah. Um, No, I think you touched on it all. I don't have anything additional to say. I do agree that part of entering your bad bitch era is setting boundaries. I think once I learned how to set boundaries effectively. um, Mm -hmm. It's a big part of it. I really got, I think I gained a lot more confidence in myself because Mm -hmm. um, this is something that I learned from therapy. I will say like we literally had a session where she was like, you don't know how to set boundaries. And I was like, yes, I do. Like, I'm a very assertive person. And then Mm -hmm. I learned that I actually don't know how to set boundaries. So once I did learn how to, like, effectively set them and communicate them um, in all of the categories that we're about to mention, um, I did see my confidence grow a lot. And I was just, like, a lot more sure of myself. So, yeah, I don't, Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree, you know. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, Because I think even to that note, to your point of, oh, it makes you feel more confident and being able to speak about things and kind of being firm in your stance. I think it also helps a lot of relationships too, because you're kind of setting that expectation for the other person. So that way you're not, not meeting expectations based off the fact that like there weren't any boundaries ever in place. And so yeah. that way I feel like people can't really be let down, which, you know, happier relationships equal better bitches. So. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Um, so our first area of setting boundaries that we want to chat about is work. And I want to start off by saying that this is probably like, one that doesn't get talked about enough, but like, mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> I personally think it's one of the most essential places to enforce boundaries. And I think my first few, like my first six months of work, I didn't know how to enforce these boundaries or set boundaries or what boundaries to even set when it came to work because mm-hmm. I was in my head, I thought I'm a junior level employee what boundaries can I even set? I'm supposed to Mm -hmm. show up, do what they tell me to do and not Mm -hmm. really complain about it. I'm lucky that I even have a job. It was 2021. It was hard for people to find jobs. I just wanted to seem grateful and that I wasn't complaining or I didn't want to seem like a bad worker, I think, Mm -hmm. was my perspective. I've always been an ambitious person and a hard worker and I've always been proud of my work ethic. So Mm -hmm. I always equated setting boundaries and enforcing boundaries as showing that I'm not a hard worker or that I was lazy and Mm -hmm. just want to preface and say that that is not the case but for my first um oh your yours is actually one of mine (laughs) but um oh I thought we were doing one we are but then I read it and I was like did I write that down um one that I just recently learned maybe two months ago Um, My job is very, I would say, progressive. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love it. I can't even lie. Like, um, I love the fact that they're in New York and I love our core values and everything about my job, but in the culture of my company. Um, But long story short, they wanted me to be a guinea pig for this career development program for junior level employees. And so they gave me a career coach. And she was absolutely amazing. Um, She is literally the best. I learned so much about myself from talking to her. It was like a little therapy session every time we would go in. It was great. But like not a typical one. Like it was weird. She like we really came into some great insights from our calls. But um, one boundary that she helped me set, I found myself working really long hours. So like since I'm working on East Coast time, but I'm on Central time, I would wake up early so I could you know, make sure deliverables were ready or I'd work a little bit later because a lot of my teams are cross-functional. Like I have some teams members that are in LA, but most of my team members are New York based. So like mm-hmm. it's literally what, four hours time difference. It's a three hour time difference, um, which doesn't seem like it's a big deal until you get to the end of the day and you have other stuff to do. So um, I just found myself working until about five, six, seven, like it just got later and later. And she gave me the idea to block off time on my calendar. One, she found out I was not taking a lunch break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was I like, this. one, it is federally obligated that you <laughs> take a lunch break. So you need to be signing off at least for an hour. So that was the first one that I implemented was just like blocking off time. Um, I do 11.30 to 12.30 at Central because that's 12.30 to 1.30. So it like kind of falls in the same time frame as other people. But it's not like too early for me to eat lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even necessarily always eat lunch during that time. I might literally just log off and get on my phone, like sit for a second and not do anything. Um, so that's where I started first. And then after that, she recommended blocking off time on my calendar. So instead of just signing on and going straight to work like at eight o'clock, which is when I start versus nine. Um, she recommended that I block off the first 15 to 30 minutes to like take the time to organize my day, set up my priorities, um, like really set my intentions for the day. And that's really helped. And then um, at the end of the day, she recommended that I block off um, for me four to five, for other people, five to six. 
just so it's it's a boundary that I set to like not have meetings scheduled for that time. And so I can really wrap up my work for the day. Um, I think I was just talking to Lexi about this earlier today, but I had a bunch of calls and on days with a lot of calls, you can't really get a lot of work done. So for me, that really helps because I have that last hour of the day blocked off to wrap up any deliverables that might be due by the end of the day or just get my work done. And there are times when I still have to have meetings during that time, but it's a boundary. When people see your calendar, they can't, I don't know what systems y'all have, but on ours, you can't see like what's blocked off. So if there's a conflict and someone's like, we really need to have a meeting at this time, I'll tell them that it's flexible. But that's just a way that I set boundaries to like be able to get my work done, not go crazy over like feeling like I don't have control over my schedule um, and really like be intentional about my day. So it's, I think it's a really easy boundary to enforce and to set. And I can't, I can't believe it took me that long to figure out that I should do that. Um, and it really has changed like my work mood for the most part. So highly recommend if you work from home and you work like in a corporate setting with a lot of meetings to block off time on your calendar to either organize, wrap up your day, at least take a lunch. Like if you're only going to do one, that want to take a lunch. Yeah, I think that's so important. It can be so beneficial. I think setting time on your calendar for yourself is so important. I used to think that, you know, my calendar will be set like a day in advance. I'll kind of have an idea of what my day looks like day to day. And I've learned so many times that it fluctuates so much. Like I could wake up and have one one hour meeting on my calendar, but by the time I get to the end of the day, four spontaneous calls have kind of been set. And so it can be really tough sometimes to go in the day and having this idea of, okay, great, like this is how I'm going to structure my day based off what it looks like at 9 a.m. And then by the time you get to noon, realizing that like it hasn't gone anywhere remotely similar to what you thought it would be. So being able to kind of enforce the plan and the routine that you set for yourself that day simply by blocking off your calendar, I think is really simple, um, but does make a huge difference. My boundary that I was going to talk through that's also relating to work is also kind of related to availability, but more so in a mental space versus a physical space, like on a calendar. And for me, it was honestly life-changing to simply turn off notifications on my phone. I found that especially in the first year of working, I really struggled with constantly trying to stay so on top of things to the point where I no longer had any free mental space. And by that, what I mean is, okay, sure, I'm scrolling on my phone and just hanging out. And I see six work emails pop up, you know, way after the 5 p.m. time where I try to physically and mentally kind of log off from work. And I found that I could sometimes get so enwrapped in what was going on when I wasn't physically sitting on my computer um, that it just really, really took a negative toll on my mental health because I was just constantly distracted by thinking about work. It was also sometimes where I'd wake up and when I check my phone first thing in the morning, which is a habit I'm actively <laughs> trying to unlearn, but still at this point, I check my phone the first thing when I wake up. And when I'd see, you know, so many emails um, or so many notifications just relating to work, and that's the first thing that I the first form of media that I allow myself to take in in the morning can also really kind of put a damper on my day and any type of routine that I've tried to set. And it just distracted me so much. And I was spending so much time. And the thing is, I wasn't even acting upon some of the emails. It was just the fact that like I would see them and I was constantly thinking about them. That really did not do well for me. Um, and so on my phone currently, I have... So I have a couple email addresses on connected to like my apps on my phone, um, but I specifically just turned off notifications from my work email. Um, so I'm still able to stay up to date on other things in my personal life, you know, sales. Most of my emails are honestly newsletters from places that I shop, but um, that has helped me because I'm really able to just fully disconnect from anything relating to that when I'm not in front of my computer actually working on things. And I think it's also allowed me to be a little bit more focused during the workday um, because I don't know, I think everyone kind of suffers, suffers from this. Every time you get notifications on your phone, like you just check it because that's just the habit that you formed. 
Um, and so because I'm getting less notifications on my phone, since I turned off stuff from work, I can stay focused for longer periods of time, I think, at the computer. Um, but yeah, just kind of setting that boundary that I'm not going to give any more mental space to that outside of, you know, my work hours day to day, I think has had a huge improvement on my mood, which affects so many other areas. Um, and I think also on that point, it's especially important to do that when you take time off from work. I think a lot of people are scared, kind of to Victoria's point too, because this is how I felt, especially when I started to kind of always want to prove myself or show that I can respond so quickly and I'm so on top of things. If you don't set the boundary that while you're on vacation, you're not going to respond to things, people will continue to think that every time you take off, you're still going to be available, yeah. which also is not healthy. And that just feeds into the whole larger cycle of everything. But yeah, a tangent on that note, if you're going to take off, really take off and like truly disconnect from work when you say you are. But it's really funny because if I didn't talk about the blocking off time, I was going to talk about turning off notifications because on another note, um, I think I talked about this in our therapy episode, number eight, if anyone was wondering. Um, I actually started going to therapy because work was giving me anxiety. Um, just like literally everything about it. And the very first thing that she told me to do was to turn off my notifications. So mm -hmm. my job was like a little hard because like I said, I have team members kind of like all over and sometimes yeah. I actually just need to be aware of what's going on. But I did implement it, I think, for like a week or two. So like if it was five or six, I would just mute it until the next morning on Slack. Mm -hmm. You can like physically do that. And so that helped me like not feel the need to respond every time I like saw something. Mm -hmm. um, and then also when you pause your notifications and you press away, like I think that really signals that you're offline. And so I think people like learned to stop reaching out to me once the workday was over, unless it was like yeah. actually an emergency, which was really helpful. Um, I don't turn my email notifications off just because I'm nosy and I like to know what's going on if like things are <laughs> happening. Because sometimes like important emails like actually do come through and it's not that like I need to answer them immediately, but I do need mm -hmm. to be like caught up on what is happening. Um, and so my email notifications, I don't turn off, but... I've been trying to be like more cognizant about turning off my Slack ones because those can, that's when I would really get overstimulated is when my Slack would just consistently go off because you know, like I have multiple teams and so mm -hmm. if multiple conversations are happening in different Slack channels or if I'm like in a call and I'm talking and then mm -hmm. I hear like the Slack buzz going off, it's just so distracting to me. Um, so I've learned to turn off the notifications for that and like that is honestly like the biggest game changer. So if you're going to start anywhere, I would start there. And then also I would echo what you said about PTO. I think um, when you're new to a job, like you want to show that, like you said, you don't want to show that you're like just signing off and you're going to be gone. Mm -hmm. I luckily work somewhere where they are really great about like making you enforce your PTO. Like if you're going to mm -hmm. take it, like fully take it. Um, there have been times, literally when I went to Hawaii, um, I think we were like very short staffed on one of my accounts because it was around Labor Day. So like multiple people took off mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm literally just visiting my friend. Like it's not a real vacation. I can help do X, Y, Z. Um, and I, I did actually like help for one thing just because I felt really bad. And then I like was going to join a, a team call that day. And then I mm -hmm. literally joined and everyone was like, what are you doing? Like get off. Like we don't mm -hmm. want to be working right now, which is really nice, but I agree. Um, every single senior leader that I have on my teams is really great because they're like, if I wish at 24, I yeah. took the time off and I took the trip and I did instead of like, just not taking it. And so mm -hmm. everyone that I tell or everyone that I talk to is like, take the time off. It's not a big deal. That's what our teams are for that's why you have team members it's like mm -hmm. that's why we have a number of people on the team when people leave people can cover it's not a big deal um so i i think it definitely took some getting used to but now i very much so when i take pto i'm like i'm gone and don't contact me unless it's like literally life or death and in my yeah. job it's never life or death so <laughs> the next category we have is friends and family. And I'm going to let you go first because I don't know what mine is right now. 
I'm trying, I'm trying to put my words together. And the more I think through this, I think it's going to come across more as an expectation maybe that I've set rather than a boundary. I actually don't know if those words are allowed to be used interchangeably. Um, but kind of the first thing that came to my mind is how I've communicated to friends and family in the past about what decompressing looks like for me and how that sometimes affects the way that I communicate, specifically around the fact that I'm very much someone who, you know, okay, or let's put it this way. There's a scenario. You've had such a stressful week, whether it's finals or work or family things going on, and you finally get to the weekend. I think there are a group of people that are like, okay, great. It's been a terrible week. Like, let's go out. Let's have so much fun. You know, I want to be around people. I want to take my mind off of it. I do not fall in that category, although many times I wish that I did. But typically when I'm dealing with emotions that just cause me to feel a little off my game, I like to decompress and I like to spend time by myself and I don't like to communicate with people. And I did have a conversation about that with my therapist too, because I'm like, is that like, at what point is that unhealthy? You know, <laughs> like to the point where you just isolate and don't want to be around people. Yeah, um, I do. The same but thing. I, yeah, I'm just, and I also know, you know, when I'm in those moods, I'm not myself and I don't like to be around people. Cause I don't like to, if I want to be around people, I want to be fun, you know, and I want to um, be like someone yeah. that I'm proud of in a version of myself that I want to share with other people. Um, but I've had to share with friends and family, you know, especially my mom too, sometimes because she's finally at the end of the week and, you know, she wants to sit and she wants to catch up. But sometimes there are times where I'm like, I just literally cannot, like, I am not in a space to have a conversation right now because I know mentally mm -hmm. I'll kind of be checked out or like, I just won't be able to indulge or share, you know, emotions. I won't be able to share compassion or excitement or, you know, even frustration about things because sometimes I'm just so mentally gone. And I know like Victoria has learned this about me one through me explaining it but then two also just through experiences of when it's like like sometimes it'll literally get to Friday and she'll be like okay like I know you probably don't want to go out or like I know you probably don't <laughs> like feel like doing these types of things but I think it's it's helped it's helped to explain that to people because I know there was a period of time even with Victoria too where I think sometimes it came across as like I don't want to spend time with my friends or I don't like hanging out with people or you know, I'm just going to say no every time moving forward because the past couple times I've said no to certain things, mm -hmm. um, which like I said, friendships, I think that's more so displayed through, um, you know, spending time together or sometimes even for my friends who, um, who I have long distance friendships with, you know, like I can't always commit to like mentally and emotionally, like I can't always commit to a, you know, three hour FaceTime call, not because I mm -hmm. wouldn't love to catch up on everything and like spend time you know, with my friends. Yeah. It's just, I know I'm not my best self in those scenarios and I don't want to like half-ass it and kind of show up and just sit there and nod my head for the sake of indulging in a conversation. Um, so like I said, I don't even know if that qualifies as a boundary. I, I still think it is more of an expectation, but I think it still kind of has the same impact both for me, one, because I'm able and I'm comfortable to like communicate certain things about myself, but two, for that other person. So it just doesn't always look like oh, Lexi never wants to talk or, you know, I don't want to commit to a friendship or I don't want to sit and like catch up with my mom who's like one of my best friends ever. But um, I don't know. Like I said, I think, I think it still has the same impact and can be equally as important. But to get to know that, you have to learn about yourself more. And like I yeah, said, what's sure. truly, like, is that unhealthy or is that just like at your core who you are? Because I've tried to change it so many times and I think it's just backfired. Um, so at least for now, for this version of myself that I am, like that's what that looks like to me. Yeah, I like will echo a lot of things, but also it'll be kind of different on some things. But you already know that I'm the type of person who's always like, oh, I need time to think about X, Y, Z if there's a conflict. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that it's funny because I, I think I do have the same boundary as you to like decompress or like mm -hmm. do whatever. But on the other hand, I think I'm trying to combat it a little bit because I have been. Mm -hmm my whole life have been like well that's just how I am like mm -hmm. whatever else but I think to my own personal growth on my own journey like it got to a point where it was detrimental because I would just yeah use decompressing as a way to avoid conflict and I'm not saying that that's what you were doing by any means I know that for well no but I think it's important like I think that supports yeah. the whole idea of like you need to like really take the time to assess like is that just who you are or like is it getting to the point of it yeah, being yeah. unhealthy because I worried about that too yeah not saying that that's your case whatsoever but in my situation that's what it was mm -hmm. um 
because I would just use it to avoid conflict most of the time. Granted, to this day, I still, if there's a conflict, I take the time to think about what role did I play in this? Like, why am I actually irritated? Mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. Um, but to that point, I think that that is the same for me when it comes to boundaries. I think you are really good at picking up on it when it comes mm-hmm. to me. But on the other hand, I think Soul I could be better yeah, about communicating it. Um, like, I'll say something if you bring it up, but for the most part, like, nine, 90-ish percent of the time, I probably won't say something. But when I, like, I will try to if I, like, I think I'm getting to a point in our friendship where I'm, like, I obviously know I can say it. But there have been times in the past where I know that you pick up on it and you're, like, okay, well, like, let me know if you want to talk about it, like, whatever else. Yeah. Um, And then on the family side of it, I think it's interesting. Um, I can, like, kind of go into a tangent about this, but I'll try to keep it short. I think sometimes it's hard with family to set boundaries sometimes because Mm – your family has known you or they think they've known you for your entire life to an extent that is the truth like objectively that's the truth they have known you your Mm -hmm. entire life but you have these situations where it's like you go to college or you move and you're gone for literally nine months out of the year living independently Mm -hmm. and now especially that it's post-grad and I'm like really not going home as much like I talk to my family yes but Mm -hmm. I'm never like I'm physically around my family like during the holiday season or if I like choose to go home, but I'm not at home as much as I used to be whenever I was in high school, middle school, et cetera. Like I don't live at home Mm -hmm. anymore. I don't see my family 24 seven anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes it can be hard for your family to accept like a, not a new version of yourself or if you've done, if you've gone through a lot of growth or if you've done a lot of self-reflection or you're trying to change your habit, I think in some families it may not be like necessarily all families like I know that's something that I've run into with my family for example whenever I was younger I my issue with my family is that they always thought I had an attitude problem (laughs) to an extent sure I probably did have an attitude problem but I think my my family just communicates I think we all communicate in different ways which is where a Mm -hmm. lot of our conflicts come from and so we think that we're saying something one way but it's like interpreted another way or it's received another way but all of this to say Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot harder for your family to see growth in those type those types of situations because they're not around you all the time so for example I've had friendships where I haven't been great at communicating or something hasn't been received properly but like they see over time that I'm trying to change my habits and trying to change the right. way that I communicate because I'm around my friends all the time. But my parents don't necessarily see that if I like mm-hmm. go home for Thanksgiving and there's a conflict and I'm removing myself from a situation or changing right. the way that I'm communicating. And so as an adult, I just think that it's really hard to navigate sometimes. But all of that to say, when it comes to those situations, I think I'm still learning how to effectively set boundaries. One hand, I am an adult now and I can remove myself from situations and honestly say what I want to say. Like, I think it wasn't ever well received when I was younger because I was a child and I was living with my parents and I wasn't financially independent. and, And none of those things should matter, but like in some cultures, that's literally just how it works. And now that I'm older and I think I am a lot better at communicating without Mm -hmm. getting as upset or like literally like I'm just not immature anymore like Mm -hmm. I don't have immature responses I think that a lot of those times those conflicts are mediated a little bit easier but it comes through like setting the boundary of like I'm not going to talk about this right now or I'm choosing to remove myself from the situation right now or it literally can the same thing where you were talking about with with your mom being like I just am not in a space to talk right now yeah those have been like simple boundaries that I've set but I think and I want to acknowledge that family is always a little bit harder to set those boundaries just because family dynamics dynamics can be so complex sometimes and I know that everyone's family situation can be very different so wanted to acknowledge that but also say that like I'm still learning how to set my own boundaries within my family, within the parameters of still being respectful and still 
but still acknowledging my independence and who mm-hmm. I am as a person and as an adult to like what not what I will tolerate but just like what situations I want to put myself in if that makes any sense no it does make a lot of sense and I think that that's something kind of back to our earlier point too that's highlighted a little bit more around the holidays given the fact that you know you're not always around your family all the time so it's like oh you finally have a week off or a couple days off sometimes I think the expectation is you come home and then we catch up on everything and we spend all this time together um yeah. and, you know you try to jam pack what you miss in the last nine months, kind of in those couple of special days that you have to spend time with family. Um, And I think sometimes on the flip side too, kind of where your point was, you know, walking away from situation or choosing, kind of choosing what you, kind of choosing situations where you're going to remove yourself from. Um, I know sometimes there are also boundaries that need to be set around what you will even like want to talk about in general, not even oh, this is something that I don't want to talk about today, but something that you don't have to bring up. And I think that that's sometimes something that I think about a little bit more when it comes to even like extended family, right? Because it's like, those are people you haven't seen in so long. And it's like, oh, tell me about this. And, you know, what's your relationship like? And what do you want to do for work? And and all of these things. And you're just kind of answering these questions over and over again. Um, you have so much power too, and even what you want to share. And I don't think you always owe it to people to to give in to every single update of your life, like as you continue to be your own person and become an, an adult, because when you're younger, you know, it's like your your parents tell everything to your, at least in my family. And that was something that I loved because I wasn't going to go out of my way always to update my aunts and uncles and cousins. Um, but yeah, I think just being around people all the time and sometimes there's extra attention and expectations on the holidays because it's supposed to be like such a special time. Yeah. And I know that even holiday wise, like in boundaries wise, like for example, like the discussion always comes up about like Thanksgiving political like arguments and which I can't say I can't attest to that. I've never been in that situation. I can't speak for other people. Um, But I know that that is kind of an area where a lot of people run into like setting those types of boundaries as well to be like, I'm not going to speak on the situation. I don't want to talk about the situation. Um, so yes, also wanted to address the complexities of setting boundaries as well. That's why I brought mm-hmm. up the family thing. Yeah, no, it's true. And it's not always something, it's not as easy as it sounds all the time, especially family work. I think it's a little bit easier for sure. Yeah, work, it's like, this is literally, I'm here for a check. Family, it's harder because they're literally blood. But Like that's everything? Yeah. Yeah. Um, with that, I guess we will wrap it up. I think my main takeaway from this episode, um, one, I do think it's timely. But whether it's the holiday season or just in general, I think, like we mentioned earlier, it's really important. Every bad belief, since my mother is now listening to this podcast, like one of the main traits that they have is just, I don't think assertiveness is the correct word, but like, what word am I thinking of? Decisive. I really think, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I really think, well, earlier you used the word confidence. And I think yes. that's a huge, I think that's a huge, huge, huge aspect yeah. of it. I think every bad bleep has this confidence and this aura about them. And it comes down to like decisiveness. And a lot of the times it comes down to boundary setting because it's like they literally will not take less than what they like think that they deserve or the boundaries that they set. So I personally think everyone should find a way to incorporate boundaries. Like I said, I think it sounds a lot more, or what I personally learned is that it sounds a lot more intimidating than it actually is, especially like if you're just starting with work. There are simple ones that you can start with. Um, while family and friends can be a little bit more complex, um, it definitely is important, especially because I think relationships play such an important role in your lives. And so um boundaries I think really lead to effective communication and just like healthy relationships in general so definitely think that that's important and I'm sure Lexi can attest to boundary setting in relationship with your significant other um but I'm also sure that that's important as well um don't know if Lexi wants (laughs) to speak to that I don't think I have anything to add on that specifically except that I guess from the relationship setting it's or not even from relationship setting, but I think in any area of life, 
you're always like you'll always kind of be evolving and readjusting the boundaries you set because you'll be again the whole point of this podcast like experiencing things for the first time mm-hmm. so I know even back to work we made a reference to the fact that we're young and like new in our career and um the things that we set boundaries for right now may seem so minimal compared to where we are in our career maybe 15 20 years from now where again not to diminish the work that we do now but we're dealing with things that are a lot more important and you know we might be higher up and dealing with things that are harder than just blocking off lunch for an hour or choosing to not receive work notifications after a certain period of time um yep. and so i think practicing that as early as you can um will make a huge difference in the long run again with relationships whether they're platonic or romantic like you're going to constantly be meeting new people and through meeting someone or developing a relationship with someone you might have to set a boundary that you've never had to set before just because you've never dealt with that so again it's not something that while the topic is evergreen it's not that the boundaries you set today will have to be enforced forever and not that the boundaries you set today will be the only ones you ever have to set so practice doing it when you can I think, um, because again, we all want to be baddies even on our deathbed. So (laughs) I think starting now and kind of preparing yourself for the rest of your life um, is great. And yeah, I think you earn a lot of respect from it. I think people won't question you as much and you won't have to constantly feel like you need to defend yourself, you know, which Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're in that type of relationship, again, friendship, work, whatever, maybe reevaluate that too. But um, Mm yeah. said all that to say when you can confidently say things about yourself and enforce that and people see that through. Um, yeah, that does. I think that just changes the tone, you know, of how you're perceived and how you feel. Very well said. Thank you. I feel like I stumbled a bit, but your encouragement so. helps. It was giving um, audio clip. Oh, okay. Let me let me go ahead and make my notes. So when you <laughs> that next Instagram post, you heard it here first. That's why I was like not interjecting because I was like, let me <laughs> let her talk. You know, 15 <laughs> seconds like, or so. Oh man, in the first like episodes, I used to get so mad because I was like, you'd be talking. And then I was obviously actively listening. So I was responding. And well, okay. Sometimes, like, yeah. I, well, I go back and forth because I'm like, we are co hosts. And then I'm like, sometimes I like it when it's like really good sound bites, but also, you know, people want to hear a bit of laughter and, you know, yeah. banter between us two. So I think the active listening is good. It's very well-spoken, Lexi, and a great end to our episode. So if you made it this far, make sure, like I said earlier, to go ahead and rate our podcast on all platforms, five stars, obviously. Um, would also like to see some reviews on Apple Podcasts because I know some of you are Apple Podcast listeners. Oh, yeah. So I think there you can like actually leave a review. So don't want to hear any comments about audio issues because we fixed that. That should be... <laughs> There should be no constructive criticism actually in any of the reviews, but also go follow us on Instagram at the entry level pod to ease. Our personal Instagrams are linked there. I think that's everything. Um, Go get caught up on our old episodes and have a great rest of your day, evening, night, wherever you are. Bye.